Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. And so this morning, what we're doing in, in the month of April, we are starting a new series. That to look back, make sure I had it right. Cross and the Crown. And probably one of the greatest, single most significant, greatest time in history had been the time that is marked by Jesus is his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And I believe it was the cross and the crown that sealed it all. And we want to talk about that in the next whole month, really talk about the significance of the life of Jesus and the fact that uh, he did live, but he also died. He was buried and he rose again, and we want to talk about that. And I'm going to touch on Palm Sunday, but I really want to talk about an event that happened before Palm Sunday. But I do want to read a scripture uh, out of Luke chapter 19. And it does talk about this Palm Sunday that we're we're here today and we're celebrating. So let me read this verse of scripture here. It says in Luke chapter 19, verse 37, it says, When he reached the place where the road started, down the Mount Olives, all of his followers begin to shout and they begin to sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. And they begin to shout blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest of heaven. But some of the Pharisees, always religious people, among the crowd said, teacher, teacher, Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, if they keep quiet, the very stones along this road will burst in cheers. Or another translation said, the very rocks will cry out to praise him today. So I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us as we dive into this message this morning. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the people of God that are here, every person that has come this morning. I pray, God, that you will meet them where they're at, wherever they're at in their state of mind and their spiritual life, wherever they're at right now in things that are going on, wherever they're at in their job and their family. I pray that your spirit, your grace would minister to them. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare your word. And let the people hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, so as we look at this particular event, this happened in Jerusalem approximately around uh, 2,000 years ago. Jesus comes in. The disciples are all excited. The disciples are astounded because Jesus is now uh, being proclaimed as the Messiah. They're finally seeing that he's being revealed as that, even though he's coming on a donkey riding in. In actuality, he's fulfilling scripture that the Messiah would come riding on a donkey. And they begin, the multitude begin to shout. The multitude begin to praise him. They begin to give him glory. And the religious people, uh, they didn't want to receive Jesus as the Messiah. The religious people were upset and, in fact, began to tell Jesus to command everyone, especially his disciples, to stop praising him. And this is where Jesus says, uh, if they stop praising me, the very rocks will cry out. 
And Jesus also knew that the very people that were praising him on Sunday would be asking for his crucifixion on Friday. In fact, as we enter in what we call this week, what we call Passion Week, Jesus is truly revealing his passion by uh, telling us that he's willing or by demonstrating that he's willing to suffer for us and he's willing to go through the suffering for our sin. This is why we call it the Passion Week. In fact, the Bible says that many of the disciples thought that because he was coming as the Messiah, that he was coming as the king, that he would establish his kingdom, that somehow he would overthrow the Roman government, but Jesus was here to set the kingdom within your life. How many can say amen to that? See, when Jesus comes, and this is what I really want to emphasize this morning, when Jesus came, he came in a different way than people expected him. In fact, when Jesus came on the earth, he did things many times that people did not expect. In fact, sometimes some of the things that he did offended them. Some of the things that uh, he uh, said offended many people because Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to establish a relationship. And let me just tell you, religion is man's way of getting to God, but relationship is God's way for you to, to get to him. And so God wants us to have a relationship. And so as we look back on this Palm Sunday, Jesus knew what was going on. But I want to kind of emphasize maybe a week or two before Palm Sunday, Jesus did something that offended people. Jesus uh, talked to someone that offended some, a lot of people during that time. And so here's what Jesus does. And we go before Palm Sunday. I want to look at this story in the book of Luke chapter 19. And a story of a man named Zacchaeus. And the Bible says that Jesus entered in and passed through Jericho. And a man was there named Zacchaeus who was the chief tax collector and he was rich. He tried to see who Jesus was, but was not able from the crowd because he was little in stature. He ran ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was uh, uh, to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the vicinity, he looked up and he saw him and he said, "The Caius, uh, come or hurry." Come down, for today I, I must remain at your house. So he hurried, and he came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, the religious people here, they, they were mad. They all murmured, saying, he'd gone to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus the, the stood and said to the Lord, Lord, Lord uh, look, Lord, I've given half of my possessions to the poor. And I've taken any, if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will repay him four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he's also a son of Abraham. And here's what Jesus, here's the mission of Jesus. This is where it's all defined right here. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That summarizes right there 
the cross and the crown. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus is looking for people. He's looking for people to save. He's seeking you because God cares about you. God cares about us. We matter to God. Now, I want you to realize something. There's a lot going on in this simple story that many of us, sometimes we kind of gloss over it, we kind of read over it, and we miss some of the essence of the story. This story is very profound, and it really demonstrates the heart of God, and it demonstrates the heart of Jesus, because we just kind of read the story, and we kind of say, well, here was this guy, he wasn't very tall in stature, and so he just runs up the tree to see Jesus, and Jesus invites him in, but there's something going on below the surface that if we don't read more deeply into it, we're going to miss it. Many times, many of the things that Jesus did were very profound, and there was a lot of insight into what he was doing. In fact, this is the core of the gospel. Here's this guy by the name of Zacchaeus, and I want you to realize something about him. Zacchaeus is what you would call a low-life guy, very low-life. In fact, back then, there were two types of low-life people. Number one, if you were, you were a sinner, in other words, you were a person that did not go, know God, you were considered a sinner, that was low-life. But there was even a lower, lower life than that, is that you were a tax collector, you're like really low. I mean, you're down at the bottom. And so Zacchaeus is basically, or Zacchaeus is basically one of those guys. He's a sinner, and he's a tax collector. How many know there's no one lower than a tax collector even today? No, I'm just kidding. But here is this guy. He's the cheap tax collector. He's what we call in Spanish el metal metal. He's el jefe right here, a chief tax collector right here, and because he's the chief tax collector, he is super hated in the community. People do not like him. People despise him. How many know someone in your community or in your job that is not very liked? Maybe you know someone that said, man, I hate that guy. Uh, maybe it's that parking enforcement guy that, that gave you the ticket at 1159 uh, uh, because your car was parked there and you thought he already came by. But at 1159 a.m., uh, he came and he gave you a ticket. You ever met that guy? You go, I can't believe it, man. It's 1159. I've seen that guy before. And he's come by and he gives you a ticket. And you figured, man, he was already gone. He comes by. Or, or it could be a guy at work or somebody that you know or a supervisor that you just kind of despise, you don't like. And this is that guy. Zacchaeus is the guy that during the Roman government days, the Roman controlled the taxation of that region. And the Roman government was very oppressing. In fact, what they would do is they divided Israel in three different regions, and they would put a chief tax collector ahead or be in charge of collecting the taxes. And the way the system worked is they would tell you this region is to give us such and such amount of taxes need to come from this region yearly, and they would put a guy in charge of that. Excuse me, let me have, <clears throat> let me drink some tea here a little bit. 
So they would put this guy in charge. He was kind of like the district commissioner, and he would collect a certain amount of taxes uh, from that region. But what, what many chief tax collectors would do is they would overtax the people, they would pocket some of the money themselves, and send the rest to Rome. And so this is why the people hated him, because number one, they hated the oppressing government, the Roman government, and then they hated Zacchaeus because he was one of their own, and he was taking money from one of their own. How many know what I'm talking about? One of those guys that say, man, you forgot where you came from, and now you're stealing from us. So this guy was really hated. They despised him. They didn't want anything to do with him, and yet, so we have what we call three strikes against the Number one, he's a tax collector. Number two, he's a guy that's crooked. He's the crooked business de uh, uh, person. So you never want to deal with someone that's crooked and deceiving. You don't want to do business with that guy. And then number three, he's working for the Roman Empire that's a very oppressing government. So there's three things that are against this guy. He was a crooked tax collector working for the enemy. The people hated his guts. That's the way we used to do it and say it and during my time. I hate that guy's guts. I don't know if you guys say that anymore, but you're not supposed to say it if you're a Christian. But back then, I hate that guy's guts. I just can't stand that guy. So he represented everything that was wrong. He represented a traitor. So the Romans hated him, too. Even the government knew that they were, he was stealing from them, and the people knew that he was stealing from them. So here's this high-profile, despised individual that the community hated. He was probably one of those guys that you didn't expect to see in the church. He was probably one of those guys that you would say, man, I don't think I'll ever see this guy in church. And he probably felt himself that he would never be welcomed anywhere. In other words, like some of us, uh, before you came to Christ, some of you never or others never expected you to be in church today. How many can say amen? Maybe because of your reputation, maybe because of what you've done, probably the last place people ever expected to see you was in church. And so here is Zacchaeus. He's like so many people outside this building today that they don't believe that they are welcome because of their background and because of where they come from. Somebody say amen. You would never dream, this guy would never dream of risking coming to a place, to a church where people would feel awkward, where people would feel, uh, where he would feel like he didn't belong. He probably said, I'll never go to church. People would never welcome me there. I'm sure uh, he knew he was hated. He knew he was despised. He knew because of his background that probably if he came to the church, they'd go, oh, did you see that? The guys is here. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that guy. He wouldn't be a guy that you would be having coffee with at Starbucks, right? Because then people would think, oh, maybe they're part of the same scam. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I can't believe that guy's there having coffee at, uh, you know, Starbucks with the Kayas because uh, you wouldn't want to risk your reputation hanging around a guy like the Kayas. 
And despite his reputation, despite the fact that he was hated, despite the fact that people did not like him, here's a unique individual, as you can see. But listen, think about this. He was hated. He was despised. Nobody liked him. He knew people didn't like him. And yet we see something about Zacchaeus that is really interesting. I think of every individual on this earth, he is still seeking some spiritual truth. He's looking for spiritual truth because he must have known that Jesus was the spiritual, spiritual teacher teaching about the things of God. And even though he had all this money and he was well off, he knew there was something missing. And it's very interesting to me that even in our church and even in the time that we live in right now, it's the very reason why we need to invite every person to church. Can you say amen? That we need to share the gospel with every person we can because there's many times people won't come to church any other time of season, but they'll usually come to church and not feel awkward because they know a lot of visitors show up on Palm Sunday, on Good Friday, on Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and Christmas. Am I right? This is a great opportunity to invite people because this is where people would think, man, I can go. I won't seem awkward. It won't seem off. Because usually if you invite people like in February, they'll say, well, I've got things going. But if you, oh, I'm going to church on Wednesday, they go, what, is there a funeral going on? What's happening? But, but the fact that you can invite them to church on a Palm Sunday, on a Good Friday, on an Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, we ought to go crazy right now inviting people to church. We ought to take advantage of the moment and invite some people. People like the Caius. This is where we should be going crazy sharing our posts with people. Sharing everything that we can on Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, TikTok, Facebook, uh, whatever else I miss. Amen. Just put it out there. So the Caius here is interested in Jesus and he's looking for Jesus as we can see because he knew that where Jesus, maybe what he did is he went on, he Googled it and see where his, uh, where Jesus' itinerary, where is Jesus going to be? And he probably went on the line and he said, oh, he's going to be over there. And so he goes, okay, I, I need to go down there. I'm going to meet him. And, and then he probably went a, a day ahead to kind of spot out the best place that he could find Jesus, where he could at least get a glimpse of him. And he sees this fig tree, okay? Just imagine in your mind, this is a, what we call a sycamore tree. And a sycamore tree has more leaves than regular fig trees. And so he finds this sycamore tree and he's saying, well, maybe if I can just kind of hide in the tree a little bit, nobody will see me because everybody hates me. But at least I can get a glimpse of Jesus from the tree. At least maybe I can kind of see him from here and, and nobody can see me. At least I can get just, just to get maybe at this vantage point, you know, because he wasn't very, a very tall guy. And I know, I know how he feels, amen, and I know how that is. So he wanted to take a look. Uh, yeah, but don't make fun of me. You get that, okay? 
So here he is. He's looking. He's looking down. I can make fun of myself, but you can't make fun of me. But here we go. So we're looking down because I can find something to make fun of you. But anyway, here we go. So we look down. So we look down. And so here he's thinking of a crowd. Man, I'm going to climb up this tree and I'm going to get a glimpse of Jesus. Now, I don't believe he's expecting anything else, but just to get a glimpse, just to take a look. Just maybe if I could just see Jesus, if I could just see who they're talking about, man, I, it would be so great. And it's like many today in our society, you know what, there's people today wondering what's going on in that building in Reach Paramount. Man, if I could just see what's going on inside, I don't really want to go. I don't want people to see me. And so what happens is Jesus come and he's walking around and Jesus is walking. Again, Zacchaeus is hiding in the tree among the leaves. He's sitting up there, not expecting Jesus to notice him. But Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, he goes, today, I'm going to spend, I want to go to your house today. And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus like, could you imagine? He probably was going to fall off the tree like, man. What, can you imagine, he probably was shocked, like, you know who I am? You know my name? You notice me? Can I tell you, God knows your name. And he notices you. He knows who you are. Even when you don't think he notices who you are. He knows exactly who you are. And so the Bible says that all of a sudden, the Caius comes down from that tree. He had no idea that Jesus is going to call on him, and he shouts to Zacchaeus, says, come down from that tree. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to spend the day with you. Now, I want you to remember there's a crowd of people following Jesus, and there's different people that are following Jesus in the crowd, and I kind of want to identify these people because who the people are makes a lot of difference. Now, some of them are his disciples. These are very close men that are close to Jesus. They're followers of Jesus. So these are his disciples. We know them later as the apostles. So we know they're in the crowd. And then the Bible says also there are people that are following him because you have to remember that Jesus had fed 5,000 people, right? Fish and bread. So you have some of those people looking for the free fish and chip, right? They're following Jesus too. Because they, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe today the fish and chip are going to show up, man. This is going to be awesome. So they're, they're, they're following Jesus for a free meal. Am I right? So you got that. And then, and then you got the religious people. The religious people, they think they're all righteous and they think they got it all together and they're just waiting for Jesus to say something wrong. And so all these, are, in fact, these are the kind of guys that they're, they're always advertising fake news, right? You know what fake news is? They always have a spin on what's really happening and they put a lie to it. Am I right? Fake news has been around since the 1800s, so don't be shocked, okay? So, so Jesus it has these people, and they're always taking things out of context. They're always uh, uh, putting a spin on the story. And so you got all these people following Jesus, and, and as Jesus stops at the foot of the tree, he looked at Zacchaeus, uh, and he says, come down from there. Today, I'm going to spend my time at your house. And you can imagine the controversy that about Jesus inviting Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. You can imagine, the, the Bible said people begin to murmur. 
They begin to talk about themselves uh, or talk among themselves. All of a sudden, man, they got on TikTok and Twitter and it began to trend. I mean, it was trending. Did you see who Jesus invited to, uh, to go spend? You know, all of a sudden we see the hashtag. Hashtag Jesus hanging with sinner man. Hashtag Jesus is with a little evil man. Hashtag he's with the tax collector. Hashtag Jesus, your days are numbered, man. Jesus, big mistake. You can imagine all of that is trending. People are saying stuff about him. They're mad about Jesus. That Jesus would hang out with a sinner, but somebody below a sinner, a tax collector, I can't believe believe it, and in broad daylight, man, people are mad. They're upset. Can I tell you something? That Jesus did this intentionally. In fact, everything Jesus did was intentional. And I believe this was very intentional because he knew who was in the crowd. He knew the disciples were in the crowd. He knew the religious people were in the crowd. He knew the people were looking for a free handout were in the crowd. All these people. And Jesus wanted them to see that he was inviting this guy, the lowest of the low, not in height, but the lowest of the low, the chief tax collector, coming and he's going to spend time at his house. This is something that is astounding. So here, let me just tell you what Jesus could have done to avoid the controversy, what Jesus could have done to avoid anybody saying anything is he could have sent, he could have passed by the Caius, he could have stalled him there, kept walking, and then later told one of his disciples, hey, did you see that guy over there, the Caius? Oh, yeah, we know him. He goes, I want you to tell him, give him a message. Here, send him this note. Let him know I'm going to be at his house tonight at 10 o'clock. I don't want anyone to see. I'm going to meet him in secret. He could have done that, right? He could have said, hey, we're going to have a meeting tonight, but I don't want to call, you know, I don't want to call the commotion. I don't want to, you know, hear on Twitter later and everything else and all of that. I, I, want, I want you to just invite him, let him know I'm going to meet him. That way, I don't cause any controversy. But Jesus understood the price of meeting people that nobody liked and inviting people that were despised. Can you say Amen. Let me say in church, that's exactly what the church is supposed to be about. Can you say amen? We need to include people that others don't like. We need to include people that others may seem like, man, what are they doing in church? Why are they coming? Why did they get invited? I can't believe the church is made up of all these different people. Can I just tell you something this morning? That is the way the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be made up of different kinds of people that only God can reach. Can you say amen? In fact, let me just tell you this. You may be sitting next to a person that has done prison time. You may be sitting next to a person today that has drug addiction or had drug addiction. I don't say has it, but maybe there's some that do right now. God needs to deliver them. 
You may be sitting next to someone that had been addicted to alcohol, maybe sexually bound, maybe immoral, fornicators, adulterers, are you hearing me? And next to those people are highly educated people in this building right now. There are people right now that have all kinds of degrees. There are people today that are professionals in what they do. There are some business people that are sitting here. There are people here that are goody two-shoes you've never done anything wrong in your life and yet there are some other people that were really evil and God changed your life we got people today in this building that are divorced we got people with blended families we got I don't know how to get original families we got people that are single we got people that are married we got people with a just a little bit of family but I want you to know they are welcome in the house of God See, believe it or not, there are people outside this building that don't believe any more than the Caius does that they are welcomed in this house. This is why he climbed up on the sycamore tree because he didn't think he was going to be welcomed not even by Jesus. He didn't think he was going to be welcomed definitely not by the religious people. And so he went up and hid in the tree and hopefully he could kind of get a glimpse at Jesus from a distance. It's possible, listen to me, that we could use this sycamore tree as a metaphor, even as the internet. How, do, how can we use that as the internet? Because how many understand, like the internet, people can observe at a distance without being there in person. So what happens many times, listen to me, if people are wondering what's going on in that church, what's happening in that church, what is that church all about, and they can safely observe the church by going on the internet, by checking it out. They, what kind of people are there? They can look at the pictures. They can hear a podcast. They can listen to it on Facebook like many are right now. They can go on YouTube. This is why it's important that you share, 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 because people like Zacchaeus are in the sycamore tree, are on the internet observing what's happening. They're looking from a distance, amen. They're seeking something. And here's the thing that most people don't know that you've already experienced, and to you, it's just a natural thing. But there's a lot of people that don't really know what's going on and what church is like today, because in their mind, church is the traditional church that they remember. Many of them don't think church is what, they, what you're seeing and experiencing right now. What they're thinking is church is a bunch of pews. There's no padding in it, thank God. You're comfortable today, <laughs> right? There's no screen, there's no music that kind of up to date. They certainly don't think of church as a bunch of people singing up here with electric guitars and a bass. Sometimes that bass gets really loud, the drums, it's all right. Uh, all of that, you know, all of these people are not picturing, uh, you know, lights. They're not picturing someone welcoming them at the door. They're not picturing a, even a cafe. What, a church had the cafe, you know, with coffee in it? Yep, coffee and them. Let me tell you some good food. These ladies over there can cook, man. Let me just tell you that. And so you start thinking of church 
No one's uh, getting a visual, a church that is the way we see it and the hospitality. This is why it's important that people get to observe from the sycamore tree, from the internet, as you share with them, hey, listen, this is what my church looks like. It's not traditional church because a lot of people think I'm going to come to church and I'm not going to understand what the preacher is going to talk about. It's not going to relate to me. Let me tell you, when you come here, every sermon that I preach, you're going to be able to relate to. You're going to be able to understand what I'm talking about this morning. This is why when we mention the C word, church, people all of a sudden say, oh my God, what is that? So I want you to realize that people are not experiencing what you're experiencing. So Jesus goes to this man's house and the religious people freak out, man. They just cannot believe it. And what Jesus was doing, this was a huge act of acceptance. Did you hear me? He was showing acceptance. Now, I want you to hear me clearly. Don't take me out of context. Hear everything that I'm going to say in the next five minutes, because what I say in the next five minutes is all going to come together. Jesus was basically giving this guy a huge amount of acceptance. This was not just something cordial. When you went to someone's house to eat, especially during that culture and to a degree in our culture today, you are accepting that person. You are welcoming that person. You are saying this person is welcomed in my house. And those people couldn't believe that Jesus was accepting a tax collector as despised as he was. And let me just tell you, sometimes even in our church today, in our society today, people can't believe that the church will accept people that are so far gone. Are you listening to me? We must never forget as the church, the foundation of re-church this morning is to seek and to save those that are lost. Can you say amen? So Jesus extends his acceptance for Zacchaeus before he even changes. He accepts him as he is. Now listen to me again. Stay with me in the context that I'm about to say. He accepts him the way he is. See, there's some churches that you can't even walk into the church unless you look like everyone else. All right? Oh, you got jewelry on? No, no, take off your jewelry. Oh, you got makeup? Oh, my God. You got to take a... Honey, wear the makeup. If you, let me just tell you. <laughs> Around here, if the barn needs painting, paint that barn. Am I right? Is that right? Yeah, I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. We, 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 we appreciate women wearing makeup. Amen. It's okay. And so uh, at some churches, you can't, you can't wear pants if you're a woman. You, gotta, you, know, all these, you can't show your tattoos. You, can, you can't do all of that. And so here's the thing. Jesus is accepting him before he even changes. He accepts him as he is. But listen to me. He doesn't leave him as he is. He accepts him as he is, but he doesn't leave him as he is. See, this is why a lot of churches today, their philosophy is totally backwards in how they accept people. They only accept you if you change first, if you look like them first. This is how we treat our marriages. This is how we treat relationships. You look at, I don't accept you unless you change first. But Zacchaeus did not change. 
He didn't even offer it to change, but something happened as he began to fellowship with Jesus, as he began to have an encounter with Jesus. Look what happened. Look what he said. He said, Lord, if I robbed or cheated, see the conversion taking place? If I robbed or cheated anyone, I'll pay them up to four times what I owe them right here and now. So Zacchaeus is making a declaration. I want to change because after you meet Jesus, there ought to be some change in your life. Let me say that again for some of you Christians that have been around a while. After you meet Jesus, there ought to be some change in your life. How are you going to convince someone about Jesus if they don't see the change in your life? My goodness, you could tell them, well, you know, I invite you, but they want to see what God has done in your life. They want to see what he's done in your life. See, here's the thing. God wants to change you at your point of weakness. See, his point of weakness was money, right? It wouldn't have done any good if the Caius would have said, hey, you know, I, I, I stopped gossiping. Well, that wasn't your hang-up. Your, your hang-up was money. Your hang-up was greed. See, when God changes you, and if you want the world to see the change, they need to see the change at the point of your weakness. If you were a fornicator before, and you slept around, and now God has changed your life, at your point of weakness, it'll convince others to come to Christ. If you're living someone with someone, and that was your point of weakness... You're not married to the person you're living with, and all of a sudden they see a change. Now you get married, they see a conversion taking place. Now you've convinced them the power of God. I'm preaching this morning. If you are an alcoholic and you stop drinking, all of a sudden the point of, your point of weakness convinces those that there's been true change in your life. You hear what I'm saying? You can't say, well, I'm an alcoholic, but you know, I stopped cussing. The cussing wasn't your problem. The hang-up of alcohol was your problem. The hang-up of drugs was your problem. See what I'm saying? This is exactly what was happening with Zacchaeus. All of a sudden, his point of weakness, his darkest moment was converted. That's true transformation. See, acceptance is not approval. When you accept someone, you're not approving what they're doing. You're not endorsing their sin. Do you remember that? When Jesus told the woman who committed adultery, he that cast the first, he that is a, had not sinned cast the first stone, the Bible said, then he turned to the woman and said this, go and sin no more. I've given you grace here today. I've forgiven you. But now you need to walk in the conversion of my forgiveness. Can you say amen? That's what God is saying. So here's here's what God wants to do in life today is what he's done in Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus all of a sudden gets converted. All of a sudden he said, Lord, if there's anyone that I owe money to, if there's anyone that I've done wrong or I've cheated, I'll pay him back up to four times. Now he wasn't saying, when he said the word if, he says, listen, those that I have cheated is basically, if you read the right translation, I've cheated people, I know that, and if I find those people, and I, I, I'll pay them back up to four times. 
In other words, if, they, if I cheated them out of a thousand, I'm going to give them another four thousand. Isn't that powerful? That's conversion at its weakest point. Here's what God wants to do in our life. God wants us to be like Jesus. We don't earn salvation. It is the grace of God. And it is the love of God that reaches us when we're bound. See, I, I believe, and I've said this before, and I want to just reiterate what we believe around here because I've noticed there's a lot of churches in our society today and their philosophy of ministry is not correct. Many times what they say is when you come to church, in order to be a part of us, you have to believe. You've heard this before. You have to believe in God. And then after you believe in God, then you have to start behaving. You have to start doing things right. And after you start doing things right, then you belong. But see, around here, we flip this whole thing around. When you come to church, you already belong here. We believe this is the house of God. This is where you belong. And then what we do is we pray and we believe God for you that you'll start believing in God. That your faith in God would begin to grow. And you'll realize how much God loves you and cares about you. And that he cares about you so much that then you begin to build a relationship with him. And then you'll begin to behave. You'll begin to see a change in your life. And then you'll become all God called you to be. That's what we believe. That's our philosophy of ministry. That you belong here. Jesus went to hang out with this guy to say, hey, you belong with me. And in that moment, he believed did you hear what I'm saying? He changed his life. And then basically at that moment, he became a new person. Jesus included the Caius. Jesus will include you. He's looking for people today that will look to him. That will realize today that no matter where you're at in life, no matter what's happened in your life today, that God cares about you and God knows your name this morning. That every one of you mattered to him. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.